Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 113 of the show. Can't believe we're at 113. My name is Evan. I'm back from my one-week hiatus. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on with you, man? Yeah, average week, um, soccer-wise picking, um, went 4-4. Four and four. We have three more games that we're attaching to this current week. Um, those are going to be on the 11th and 12th. Um, Evan didn't do so well. He went 2-6. and six. <laughs> And then um, Zach's 5-3 and three right now, so he's doing the best. He already gave me his picks, so when we get to the preview portion of the show, it's just going to be three quick games. Nice and simple, nothing too hard about them. Um, work-wise, it was pretty crazy. Um, where we live, we got hit with a huge snowstorm. Got like uh, 8 to 10 inches, really. Yeah. Um, I was out there on Monday working for a little bit in that snowstorm and, um, it got to a point where our, our trucks just kept getting stuck and we were pushing each other out, me and the other carrier in Stone Harbor. So, I mean, it, it, we just called it there and left early and it was the right thing to do. It was awful. Even yesterday was kind of a, a little bit of a pain because yeah. the roads were still icy. So work-wise it was kind of a pain. Um, there were a lot of good games though for the soccer here. A lot of interesting ones. We have the Chelsea game. That one was interesting. Yeah. Um, West Ham almost let it go, and then um, Arsenal there got kind of got got kind of um, screwed. I would have to say, yeah. Um, let's move into that. That is the first game. Um, that was the first game of the game week. Arsenal one, Manchester City two. Um, it would be fair to say that Arsenal outperformed Manchester City here. Uh, Pep Guardiola would tell you the same thing as he did tell um, <clears throat> Sky Sports in the post-game interview. Arsenal came out and pressed um, better than I have seen them probably ever press. You don't see City get caught on the back foot all that much for an extended period of time. Um, we saw last week or the week before um, Leicester City poke at some of their defensive weaknesses in terms of keeping a high line, but Arsenal really put the pressure on, laid it on thick and fast for a majority of this game. Bukayo Saka converted on a wonderful cross from Kieran Turney in the 31st minute, and Arsenal found themselves 1-0 ahead moving into halftime. Um, an unfortunate... Well, we should also talk about um, Odegaard and what happened um, with Ederson. I'd like to make it known um, that I don't think that was a penalty. Um, however, after seeing what happened later on in the game with the um, Bernardo Silva issue with Xhaka in the Arsenal 18, um, I think that that should have gone to VAR. If you're going to call VAR on a... Foul, really, where a player was diving and the defender grabbed his shirt because he was diving, uh, or not maybe not because of, but it was a byproduct, the shirt grab. Um, and I'm not a Jaka defender. I think he is awful. Um, but that went to VAR, but the Odegaard thing didn't go to VAR. It should have, even if it wasn't a penalty. Um, it's really just about principle and consistency, and there is no consistency in refereeing when it comes to the Premier League. Arsenal on the <clears throat> short end of the stick, you know, they drew the shortest straw here, but I think Arsenal performed extraordinarily well. 
um, all together. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting them to come out and play as well as they did. I thought maybe they could nick a point here. Um, but at halftime, I was confident that Arsenal would win the game. I mean, this team has so much fight and heart in it for, for as young as they are. Um, Saka Martinelli. Martinelli is so intelligent. It's taken him some time to break out, but he's been fantastic. Lacazette's been in there. He's been all right. I think the midfield pairing here, Thomas and Jaka uh, or Partey, were just unbelievable. And our back line continues to be impressive. Gabriel with a little bit of a shithouse red card in this game. Um, but overall, I mean, I think I think the refs gave City this game 100%. There was that 93rd minute goal by Rodri. And that was just, it was messy. It was a cleanup goal. And City find a way to win in a game that they probably shouldn't have won. And I don't even know if it's a home or take to say Arsenal were the better team here. No, I think a lot of people would agree with you on that. Um, going back to your point about the VAR and refereeing, we saw the similar circumstances when it came to card decisions with um, Liverpool and Spurs the previous week with um, the non-VAR decision on Harry Kane's tackle to Andy Robertson's tackle. And Andy Robertson gets a straight red, so now he's out three straight games. That affects Liverpool. Yep. And now they're without Salah and Mane, so that's a big core group of their guys out. Um, and then Harry Kane gets away with his, and he moves on. So, yeah, I agree the VAR um, refereeing isn't consistent. That's a major problem that they're going to have to really talk about in the offseason here. Um, when it came to the game, yeah, Arsenal looked hot. They took the lead. Um, Man City's not used to being behind at all. I don't think that there's probably a handful no. of times you can count um, off the top of your head of times they went behind this year. Um, they played really well up to that point, good build up. And then I think um, Gabrielle getting a silly yellow card um, for descent really cost him and affected the game because um, playing most of the second half with 10 men just was just unfortunate and was, went to their demise. And uh, my brother said in the show last week that the five previous meetings between these two teams, Arsenal were goalless. All of um, I think all of them with Mikel there, and the first time he's not there, they score. So we we were saying that on the show. But um, besides the point, I think all these players really um, are playing for him and the staff, and um, he's given a lot of these guys their first um, minutes really in the Premier League. Good runs. Not a lot of other managers would take a chance on a lot of young guys in their team, and it's really showing. Um, Lacazette puts in a good shift up front. They're currently trying to get Velacevic. I think they're putting bids in for him, like 50 mil. Um, and then Lucas Torreira also in the deal. So they're putting something together for him. I think that'll put them over the edge and really solidify them for a top four contender, really. Um, Man City's end for transfers since we're in that Jan January window. Um, rumors about maybe Frankie de Jong in a swap deal with Laporte and some money. Um, he would kind of take over for Fernandinho, passing of the torch there, because we know Bar uh, Barcelona's in a bit of financial troubles when it comes to overspending. So they need to get a lot of players' wages off um, because they're trying to get Holland in. So there's a whole lot of drama there. But yeah, I felt Arsenal played Man City to the best that any team's played so far this year, yeah. ex excluding um, their two losses to Palace and Spurs, mm -hmm. um, who you could kind of say those games are kind of fluky. but. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a good note for Arsenal going forward now. They they have a lot of time now um, to rest. No, now that their um, League Cup game tomorrow is postponed due to Liverpool mm -hmm. having a surge in COVID cases, so now they don't have a match until, I believe, Sunday. Yep. 
in the FA Cup. Um, I'm forgetting who they play, but I think it's a championship or League One team, if I can remember. Um, but yeah, they'll have that game, and then they have a North London derby on um, Saturday, I believe. Yep. Um, yeah, and it's Sunday, so that they, they have a lot of rest now to really go to the training grounds and really work on their tactics and take positives from this game. Yeah, and that, that North London derby that's upcoming, I mean, we saw Tottenham play today. Uh, what a sorry excuse for a performance from them. Um, they don't have things figured out yet. Uh, and am I a little mad because I bet on Tottenham, who should have beat a Chelsea side that's severely depleted? Yeah, maybe. Um, but, man, they, they've looked so so poor um, in stretches and so good in other stretches. I just don't think Tottenham are there yet. And we're moving on to Tottenham. Tottenham won Watford nil. Tottenham stole this game in the 96th minute. I mean, you would have thought that they would have been on top, but they weren't. It took them until the 96th Davinson Sanchez goal to win the game, to take all three points. The statistics are quite insane. 75% possession for Tottenham, 21 shots, 9 on target, um, nearly 88% on the pass accuracy, 6 shots, 4 shots on target, and 25% possession for Watford. They almost stole a point here. They lined up with Josh King and Emmanuel Bonaventura up top. Um, similarly, they <clears throat> played that same midfield and back line that they've been playing. And Tottenham, again, you know, Son, Kane, and Lucas up front, um, all kind of playing in that flat front three with Reguillon, Hoiberg, and Skip, uh, as well as Emerson, Emerson, and Reguillon as the wingbacks, and Hoiberg and Skip heading up the middle of the park. But uh, I thought this was um, just problematic. I mean, if if Harry Kane doesn't score um, or Son doesn't give you a little bit of magic, this Tottenham side aren't getting goals from anywhere else. You know what I mean? Their front line, the entirety of their front line, has to be playing really well if they want to win games. Um I think they got super lucky here against a Watford side who are massively underpowered when you compare them to Spurs, both in a player personnel sense um, and a coaching sense. And I think this is this is a problem, certainly. And then the loss to Chelsea today when they played a full-strength lineup and Chelsea played, I mean, a really pared-down side. Um, it's pathetic, I would say. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. They kind of stole the points here in the 96th minute from Sanchez. But, yeah, when it comes to goals, it's really you're only looking at that front three because um, both of their midfield, central midfielders are both holding kind of players. Whether you put Skip, Hoiberg, or Winks in there, you're never expecting goals from them. Um, it seems like Steven Bergwijn is pretty much at, uh, ousted from this team. I never see him on the bench at all with Conte in now. Um, he's a player that's kind of faded away. Where last season he was had had glimpse of of um a, a, had a couple glimpses of good good coming out of him um, under Jose, but uh, it's not meant to be here. We're seeing that with Delhi now. He kind of doesn't really get minutes um, in this three four three. And yeah, today's performance was awful. They got absolutely dominated by um, kind of a rotation team. We didn't really we didn't play our normal formation. We played a four two three one. So that kind of changed up the, um, the scheme there. But um, yeah, in this game, Watford was looking for their first clean sheet of the entire season, and they still look for it now. Um, flat team. Uh, King Dennis didn't score. That's the reason they didn't get any points here. And um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ranieri's top three managers right now in the hot seat for getting um, sacked right now. It's between him, 
probably Rafa and um, maybe Dean Smith. Those would be my top three. You could put Sean Dyche in there too. But yeah, Watford's looking really bad right now. It's it's it, they're in a dire situation, losing uh, a lot of a lot of key points uh, with all these games in hand. They're one of those teams that have a couple games in hand on teams around them, and uh, they're pissing their chances away. So. Uh, unfortunate for Watford, Spurs keeps them alive in that top six. They're only two points behind Arsenal uh, with two games in hand on Arsenal. So it's a must-win game for both teams here, um, especially Arsenal, because if they do, they kind of nullify that game in hand on Tottenham and also increase their lead on them as well. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Crystal Palace 2, West Ham United 3. The Hammers get away. Honestly, I think they got away in this one. Mikel Antonio started the scoring off in the 22nd minute. He's back to his best, it seems. Manuel Lanzini in the 25th, and then in stoppage time, the first half, uh, he added another through a penalty. Odson Edward and Michael Olise scored in the 83rd and 90th minute, respectively, to draw Palace very, very close to stealing a point. Palace lined up how they've been lining up. Edouard getting the start in this one. Antonio up top for West Ham. Benrahma Lanzini and Jared Bowen behind him. Suchek and Rice look good in this game, I think, but Antonio and Lanzini were surely the headline um, from this one. We look at the statistics. A more full picture is told. 22 shots for Palace, 6 on target, 63% possession. 10 shots for West Ham, 5 on target, and 37% possession. Crystal Palace looked really good in this game. They just couldn't convert on the abundance of shots and chances that they did have. West Ham much more clinical on this one. Of course, they have a little bit more experience in that team. Lanzini and Mikel Antonio... Um, very used to playing with each other. Edward, uh, Michael Elise. Elise, I believe, is relatively young. And then Edward, um, of course, a new signing and also young from Celtic. So I think Palace probably feel a little hard done by in this one. Um, they played pretty well. They seem to kind of be getting it back together. Of course, Patrick Vieira is back on the sideline after missing a few matchups due to COVID. Um, so an interesting match. I thought very entertaining and West Ham can't be, uh, can't be playing around. Can't be coasting here. Have to, uh, stay sharp, even if it's the dying embers. Yeah. We saw this a lot from West Ham last year where yeah. it was exactly like this. They get up a uh, big lead and then slowly the, the opposition would chip away at that lead and, uh, control the possession and, and tempo of the game. And this was exactly like that. Um, Crystal Palace's problem was, like you said, they had all those chances but just couldn't capitalize. And um, I think if they grabbed a goal um, in the first half, I think this game would have been completely different. But they go in 3-0 down, and uh, it's, they just had a mountain to climb. And I thought Edouard did very well here. He has two goals and two assists now in his last two games. He's kind of getting back into form. Um, hopefully when Zaha comes back, they can have a good partnership up there. Benteke had a handful of chances. Um, still no Gallagher in there. He's still sick, whether it's COVID or something else. Um, but yeah, the game just got away. Guaita had a couple great saves. Um, Lanzini's first goal was very nice. Two, three touches, chip it, like juggling down the middle of the park um, with a rice assist. Uh, the, the third goal was kind of iffy. Penalty decision, the ball's in the air. Milhojevic goes to chest the ball and his arm swings up. Um, I don't know. That one was kind of weak to me, but kind of decided the game there. 
but yeah, I, I don't know. This West Ham team is starting to look a little iffy at times. They they have two straight wins now, but I mean that that you you see where the weaknesses are um, down those flanks, not the best. Um, and Craig Dawson isn't the fastest of guys. You can really catch him out on one two balls with those pacey guys in there too. So that they they have a lot of weaknesses. Teams just really need to capitalize on it. And um, you just can't get behind too early in these games because just you have to completely change your game plan um, with the situation. So I don't know. I, I had Palace getting a draw here. Uh, I really thought it'd be close. The last couple of matches have been high scoring affairs going West Ham's way. But yeah, I don't know. Palace is uh, still that iffy team. And they're there. Them and West Ham are still my worst predicted teams. I think I'm I'm four and 16 now. My record is with West Ham. So that just shows how I can read these teams. So maybe my analysis is completely off. <laughs> I mean, anything's possible. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on. Um, we had a couple more disaster classes. Oh, yep. Here's another one. Um, Brentford 2, Aston Villa 1. Aston Villa go ahead early with a Danny Ings goal. Johan Wissa scores right before the stroke of halftime in the 42nd. And Mads Rorslev in the 83rd takes all three for Brentford Football Club. I will never, ever, ever pick a Brentford game right Villa, the dominant team in this game. 16 shots, 5 on target, 55% of the possession, 10 shots, 4 shots on target, and 45 for Brentford Football Club. I mean, I just can't get it right. I can't pick it right. I thought Villa were primed here for a win. They need to get some points here. They need to kind of figure it out, at least get a little bit of consistency because they've been up and down. They're on 22 points now. Brentford leapfrogged them in the table with that win. They're on 23. Aston Villa, like I said, on 22. I thought this was a must win for them. I think they're a club of a higher quality. I think um, Stevie G, I thought... Uh, maybe he had things under control there, had them moving in a straight linear direction, and they they falter here. You know, um, I don't necessarily know if that's we can blame it all on management or what. Um, I just don't think that Villa as a side are um, trying to find the word. The quality of the squad is not that high. Um, no. We're not really getting anything. Um, out of what's his name? Buendia. Yeah, Buendia. I mean Buendia. Um, we're not really getting a lot out of him. Of course, they're missing guys from last season. Um, no, uh, Ollie Watkins. No Grealish. Um, what is the deal with Ollie Watkins? He's injured. Yeah, I don't know. He's in and out. Uh, yeah. There was no. There was no Mings in this game. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I mean, he's it- injured. Yeah, it's tough, and this Brentford team isn't uh, a crazy attacking team. That no. their their goals are all spread out. They have at least ten different scores on this team. I think Tooney leads with four. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, Brentford's a tough team to break down, and um, Aston Villa. Yeah, I was with you there with the Villa win. I, this is Stevie G's first loss to a team not in the top three. So kind of his first big hit to to how he sets up games in that. I don't know. He just, yeah, like, Buendia is not offering that. He's not, he's not playing to that price tag they paid, uh, $40, 50000000 million. That's, it's, he's not providing anything yeah. when it comes to stats. 
they're getting more out of Ramsey, their academy player, than they are him. Um, Douglas Weese is that guy that kind of holds the thing, holds the park down the middle. I still think that he's trying to figure out how to involve Watkins and Ings up front simultaneously because those guys are both uh, goal scorers in this league. And if they can somehow fit Buendia or Ramsey somehow behind, I think that'd be a better solution. But he's kind of sticking with this 4-3-3 for the most part. And I don't know. He just needs to bring in a couple of his guys. We already saw one of his Ranger boys get picked up by Everton. Um, I think Nathan Patterson, something. He's like a fullback. They paid 14 mil for him. So maybe if he gets one or two guys from them. And um, there's rumors about Coutinho potentially coming uh, to Gerard with Villa. I don't know. But there's a lot of lot of out guys going out for Barcelona right now. Uh, Coutinho could be one of them, but they just need they just need another attacker, I believe, maybe more of a winger because um, I don't think Traore and Trezeguet are really going to cut it down there on that right. Uh, and we're even forgetting about Leon Bailey. He's he's been dealing with serious um, injury problems consistently, and he was a guy that a lot of people thought was going to light it up this year with how fast he is. Um, there were glimpses of him earlier in the year contributing, but injuries are just really holding him back. So um, Aston Villa really need to piece it together because they don't want to drop too far down to where they're very far out of that top eight area where they could potentially get into a European spot. You never know with that conference league now in play. Um, but yeah, uh, Brentford, like you said, is a terrible team for you. You're... You're four and fifteen, just like me and West Ham. We're right. we're, we're god awful with picking those games. Right. All right. Let's move on. Leeds three, Burnley one. Um, another one where I was just off the mark. Jack Harrison scored first in the 39th minute. Maxwell Cornet, really nice goal in the 54th. Stuart Dallas in the 77th, and Dan James, ex United boy, in the 92nd. This was the Leeds that I remember from last season. Um, 22 shots, seven on target, 56% possession. It should be noted that they did control the ball a little bit better here than they would have last season. Um, last season was more of a counterattacking barrage than anything else. Burnley, eight shots, two on target and 44% possession. I thought this game would be a little tighter. It was one, one, um, after that goal in the 54th minute, but Stu Dallas and Dan James added to, um, Leeds looked a lot better here. I think this is a, a result that they very much needed. Um, they are now in 16th place, uh, nearly eight points. No, eight points above uh, Burnley, who are in 18th. Yeah, necessary win for Leeds. I just thought maybe Burnley could nick this one. Uh, I was actually very wrong about that. Yeah, Burnley looked super flat in this game. We saw mistakes from there backline defenders who have been strong points for them all season and Tarkowski um, and me at times. Wayne Hennessy is an absolute dud in the goal. Uh, they need Nick Pope back ASAP or else it's going to get really bad because um, they, they have they played the least games this year. They've only played 17 while you have Man City and Chelsea already played four more than them. So they need to get all their players back in the, in the squad to really catch up to get out of safety really um leads big six pointer right here keeping uh com a competitor below them it's down there and getting a bigger gap um rafinha could have had a goal a little cutback he missed an empty net from six out disappointing there could use the fantasy points um jack harrison got a cheesy goal at the beginning it was a little rebound action wayne hensley too slow to get back up um 
I didn't see Cornet get get to play in this game. I thought he was going to be out, but he he comes in right away, takes a free kick, and it's a goal, and it just shows the quality um, that he has. And I don't know if it'll last much longer at Burnley, potentially because if he wants to win any type of silverware, Burnley's not that destination, so might be a short-term move there. Um, but it was high quality from him. And then Dan James kind of got a cheesy goal at the end. Um, Burnley were pushing for that point um, and just got caught out. So, uh, yeah, like you said, this is a good result for Leeds, similar to how they played last year. They just need to take this uh, um, and carry it on with the momentum in the next next game where they where they play West Ham now, who we, we already saw with Palace, can be very exposed on counters. Uh, Leeds is a dynamic team there, so this is, might be a, a high-scoring game. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Everton 2, Brighton 3. Jesus. Everton are, Everton are so depleted. Um, they did get Calvin Le- or Calvert-Lewin back in this game. Um, Aaron Gordon got a start here. We have uh, Kenny as well slotting in at the back. Five across the back here. Four in kind of midfield. I mean, um, Gordon and Gray kind of play a little bit forward. Um as wingers, and then Calvert-Lewin up top as the number one. I say that they're so depleted, but really they're just missing one man, um, their boy uh, Richarlison. Luca Digne also out. He's done with Everton, which kind of blows my mind because last season and the season before, he was really, really good for them. Um, statistically, Everton looked better uh, on, on paper. 17 shots, 6 on target. Split the possession down the middle with Brighton. Brighton, 12 shots and 5 on target. Uh, no goals for DCL, but two for Anthony Gordon. One in the 53rd and one in the 76th. Brighton came out firing, though. Alexis McAllister scored in the third. Dan Bird in the 21st. Uh, then there's two goals <clears throat> from Anthony Gordon, one in the 53rd. Another Alexis McAllister goal in the 71st. And um, that final goal by Anthony Gordon, uh, like I said, in the 76th minute. I thought Everton looked better. It's crazy to see... Um, just what having Calvert-Lewin back does for them, I think, in terms of confidence. Uh, they're a couple of games away, I think, from being full strength again. We're going to see Everton surge at some point. I just can't tell you exactly when. But this is a great result for Brighton. I mean, I am just piss poor picking them. I think I took a draw in this game, and it looked like it could be a draw for a while. Um, but Everton just never fully got back on it. And by the time they did figure it out, it was just a little late. I think that run's coming soon. Their next six, too, they, yeah. they can pick up a lot of points. Um, they get a they get an FA Cup matchup against Hull City on Saturday, and then one of the games we're picking now, um, or I should say later in the episode, with Leicester, and then they get a reasonable matchup against Norwich, Aston Villa, Newcastle, Leeds, Southampton. So there's a lot of six-pointers there because they put themselves in a weird situation now. They're in 15th, 19 points on eight points clear of the drop. Um, they have a couple games in hand on teams around them. So, like you said, once they get full strength, they can really move forward. Luca Dean is out. He's going to be sold to one of the bigger clubs in the league or potentially abroad. Who knows? Um, there's a lot of teams that would like him for depth because with COVID out, you never know when your top guy is going to be out. So he's a reasonable backup to have at times. Very interesting playing five in the back against a Brighton team who really struggled to score goals. Um and they still give up three here. Uh, and even in the third minute right away, they give up a goal and completely the plan's out the window. Now they're chasing the game. Uh, the Dan Burns goal is a little flick from the front post. Dan Burns, guy's 6'7". You can't miss him. 
Um, just gets a nice easy tap in there. And then the second goal from McAllister was nice too. Um, Anthony Gordon's kind of been a bright spot for them this year. He's an academy boy for them. Gets a brace here for the first time in his career um, professionally. So good to see from him. I don't know. They're just missing like an X factor or just a mo- they need some motivation because Rafa's not giving it to him for whatever reason or I don't know. It's going to be tough for them to bring in any type of quality. I already said they're bringing in uh, Patterson, but he's a defender. Uh, and where they're lacking is the goal front. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Brighton, on the other hand, get a big win. Keep them in the top 10. They're they're even now in goal differential, 20 goals forward, 20 against. Um, they're in a nice little spot there. Um, still a little bitter after the Welbeck goal last week. But, yeah, I don't know. The Seagulls are flying. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, two games left. Yeah, two games left. Chelsea two, Liverpool two. Go ahead. This one's all yours. I mean, that first half was probably the craziest half this this season. Yep. Um, there's a couple of. I mean, you could put the Man City Liverpool half in there. That game also is two two. Um, a couple other ones I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Uh, but. Wow, what a crazy game. It was it was a, a roller coaster right from the kickoff. Seven seconds in, Mane with a VAR red card potential. little forearm to Aspie's face gets a yellow card. Probably the quickest one I've seen um, in a long time. Eventually bags a goal. Nice little dribble around from Mendy. Um, not one minute after, Pulisic gets a, a, a golden opportunity to, to dink it over Kelleher, who was playing instead of Allison, who had COVID. Um, as well as Matt's hip, he had COVID. So a very depleted back line for Liverpool there. Um, we already mentioned uh, Robertson with with serving his uh, red card suspension. Um, Salah, I knew he was going to score here. Um, great goal from him. He gets Alonso in an ISO situation, and you know how that's going to end. Yep. And from there, it, it, I was kind of really um, not feeling well. I thought... I. I picked Liverpool to win this game. This is the first time I went against Chelsea and um I really thought Liverpool would do it to us. And I didn't I didn't think Salah or Mane would play in this. I thought they'd already be off to uh AFCON, but they left right after this game with Mendy. Um but they did play and made a real difference and Chelsea had to push forward because they couldn't keep playing how they 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 were or planned on with a passive possession. They really had to go for it and press numbers. And um, the momentum shift came late in the first half. Uh, Kovacic, potential goal of the season for the team there. Um, definitely goal of the month for January probably will be. Um, it was straight out of like when you're growing up, you throw the ball as high as you can. You just try to shoot it at as hard as you can. It was yep. one of those moments just you, that you dream of, top of the box. Uh, first time, little karate kick, flamingo action off the post. Um, the thing that pissed me off was there was a VAR decision if Rudiger was off sides. Um, he was nowhere in Kelleher's sights. And even if he was, it was, or like it was, it's like an NFL. It was, you can't throw a PI if it's an uncatchable ball. That ball was not savable, yep. regardless of if he was in the way or not. So that was one thing that pissed me off. And then Captain America coming to the rescue, um, assist from Angolo, uh, top right corner. And it was kind of disappointing the second half because both teams pulled their punches, played conservative. Uh, and really just settled in. And I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have done the same thing. Yeah. Uh, because, because, I mean, 
even if you you don't win, like it's the same difference being behind Man City 13 points compared to 10. So I really felt like both teams should have still went for it. Um, they share the point. Um, Man City's now 10 points ahead of Chelsea, 11 ahead of Liverpool. Liverpool have a game in hand on both. I mean, the, the season's pretty much wrapped up at this point. Obviously, it's too early. There's there's literally half the season to play. Anything can happen with injuries and in that. Man City still have yet to be affected by uh, uh, massive injuries and even COVID. So it's going to come soon. Uh, potentially, who knows? But um, yeah, this game was insane. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, I mean, it was nuts. Um, that goal by Kovacic was just so insane. And then after missing that first uh, opportunity, Pulisic really kind of um, taking some licks from his teammates and um, Thiago Silva, especially. I mean, he absolutely fucking just screamed at him um, after yeah. losing a ball in midfield. Um, Man, I, I feel bad for I feel bad for the kid because he's still pretty young. Um, he gets a lot of flack, and his responsibilities for Chelsea are just so much different than they are for the men's national team. And really, really, they're different from um, the responsibilities he had at Borussia Dortmund. You know, he didn't have to track back. He didn't have to play as much defense. And here, um, in a league where literally everything's high octane, you're expected to play defense if you aren't going to score two goals a game, you have to play defense. That's just what happens. And even if you do score two goals a game, there's an expectation that you'll be back and you'll be helping him in midfield. Um, and I think that that really batters him. It really hurts his, his mindset. It hurts him going forward. But for a moment here, um, you know, he made that move and he got in here and he scored and he drew them level. Um, I don't know if he gets he doesn't consistently play in one spot. I mean, he No, plays, that doesn't help him either. I mean, what He's been playing central forward because all the other attackers have covid. Yeah. He plays on the wing where he should be. Um it's a very a very um deep position in that team. Uh and then when he's not playing there, he'll play wing back yeah. now because Reese James out. Um and as he can't play there and we even saw today in the cup game he was playing right back. Yep. So it, It's not fair. It's it's truly not fair for him. Um, but we have to also consider the fact how much money he's making. Um, it's probably a little easier to sleep at night. Um, but as a young guy in a foreign country, it's still a foreign country. I know he's been at Chelsea for a couple of years now. It doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's very challenging, I'm sure. And, um, to see him get a goal here and as an, as an American, I'm a huge fan of him. Uh, I don't care that he plays for Chelsea. That's fine. I want to see him succeed. And uh, to get a goal here is a massive confidence boost. It's great. Of course, he was playing in his natural position when he scored this goal. Not surprising. Um, but a really, really entertaining watch. Uh, Liverpool now going to lose their two goal scorers in this game to AFCON. And I promise you, Liverpool will fucking suck when those guys leave. They're going to be abysmal. They already had to call and get their game canceled against Arsenal in the cup final because they're worried. Ah. Uh, I'm just telling you right now, I don't know. I don't know if everybody's getting that game postponed. But Liverpool, of course, of course it's postponed. Yeah, I mean, they. I think Bobby wasn't going to be available either. He's one of those players with COVID as well. So yeah. they would have had to play Minamino, Riggi, and um, a young, or Oxlade-Chamberlain up front probably. That would have been their front three. Yeah, well, I mean, look at Chelsea, though. Chelsea have been absolutely fucking demolished by, by COVID, and they didn't get all that many 
postponed games. They were pretty much forced to play through it. They have an injury crisis. They have COVID. They've had a COVID crisis. I mean, they're not getting any leeway. But look at Liverpool. They're getting a lot of leeway. Interesting. Makes you think. Manchester United, nil. Wolves, one. I was told that Ralph Ragnick was going to fix everything at Manchester United. And here he is doing fucking nothing as the team in disarray, playing in an absolutely abysmal formation, which I've said week in and week out, that 4 triple two. I mean, what a disaster. Nemanja Matic slotted in in this game for Fred, who was, I think, just on the bench. Um, Cavani and Ronaldo up top. I thought maybe we'd see a little bit out of Cavani, but... Overall, this side just didn't get anything done up top. Couldn't finish. Phil Jones was laying in this game. Good God, I can't believe it. Um, Nine shots for Manchester United. Two of those on target. 52% possession. But Wolves outplayed them in this game from the offset. 19 shots. Six shots on target and 48% possession. In the 82nd minute, old man João Moutinho stole the game for Wolves. Bruno Lage's men. Wow. I mean, they're soaring. They look fantastic. A lot of really solid results here. They are now in eighth place on 28. Manchester United sitting in seventh on 31 points. Yeah, I mean, I think Wolves in this game deserved the three points. Um, Statistically, they did better. But, I mean, I don't think them being in eighth is due to their attacking. I think it comes down to their defending. They've only scored 14 goals in the league. Um, which is even worse than Burnley. Um, But they've only given up 14, which is the second least, only one more than Man City. So I don't know if Bruno Lodge is the guy to carry them forward. Um, They really need to... I I shouldn't say if he's not the guy. I think he's inherited all the players from previous regimes. I think he really needs to get one or two more attackers in there. Um, We still haven't seen Pedro Neto. He He did fantastic last year. He was a great bright spot for them. He's still recovering from an injury, a long-term issue. Uh, Trinkau's turning out to kind of be a dud. Um, he's not performing um, at all, really. He's not contributing in any stats there. Podence is probably made of the match up front. Uh, Jimenez kind of iffy. Uh, Huang Chan out injured. So they're, they're missing a lot of their guys. And, and even if all those guys are full strength, you have Traore who creates chances, but he's not the person to finish them. So they're just missing that lethal guy to really bury their chances. And on the Man United end, yeah, this formation isn't it for them. Um, even though it's not, this was still Ragnick's, only Ragnick's first loss um, at helm. And we already know he's not the guy because he's he's just going to finish the year and then become a two-year consultant. And, and from there, I mean, he's going to want to bring in a guy similar to him. So I don't know. I saw a couple posts and articles potentially that there's 11 players in this Man United squad that are unsure about their role and want to leave. Yeah, um, that's a problem. I was, I was naming them. My, I was asking Zach since he's a United fan. Um, off the top of his head, who he thinks a lot of them are. He said Henderson, Fred. Um, who else? Um, probably Bayi. Well, probably some of the fullbacks because they don't know. Maybe Luke Shaw. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Fred, I don't know. You could just name a lot of them. Even Ronaldo. Ronaldo could potentially want to leave because he wants to win. And yeah. this team's not going to do it right now. And yeah. he's in the twilight of his career. So he, if he wants to win now, he's going to have to leave. Or they they have to completely clean slate. I don't know what it's going to take, man. Yeah, Zach, so- said, Zach says the only re- way... The only way it changes is if they get relegated. That's the only way this is going to change. <laughs> I think I... 
Zach is a really realistic United fan. There aren't many realistic United fans, just like there aren't there aren't there truly are not realistic fans of top six clubs. Like it's it's very rare. Um, especially people that are from Europe. Uh, they are the least realistic. I think from an outside perspective, us having um, maybe grabbed onto teams later on in our lives, when you think about it, um, you with Chelsea and I with Arsenal, we've seen a, a variety of different results, right? Um, same thing with Zach with, with United. He's seen down, he's seen up, um, and he's realistic about where they are right now, just like we are with Arsenal and Chelsea. I mean, those teams aren't in winning. They're not in shape to win the league right now. Chelsea were maybe at one point this season, but not now. Um, he's right. I think, <laughs> I don't think he's far off, you know, I don't think relegation. Um, but I think that United actually need to start with a clean, sw- uh, clean slate. Um, maybe you keep Varane who you just brought in and seems to, I guess, be happy to be at the club. Um, I think you keep Greenwood, but I think almost everybody else, um, maybe Juan Basak is another one. Almost everybody else, you need to figure out what they're doing at the club, what their plans are, what they'd like to do as players, where they want to play, who they want to be, and figure it out. Because our, because United have a huge transfer budget. They have players they can offload now. The Sancho move was terrible. You made a play for a guy who doesn't even know his identity as a player yet. You paid a ton of money for him. I mean, just abysmal. I've said it over and over again. Cavani is a corpse. He gets a job done, but he's a corpse. He's old. Ronaldo... Ego. I mean, you you signed the biggest ego in professional sports ever. The guy has a bigger ego than Jordan. The guy has a bigger ego than LeBron. Like, he, his ego is enormous. I don't know why you would ever bring him in here with all of these young guys. He's not interested in teaching anything. He's interested in winning, which is fine. But this isn't the club he should be at if he's interested in winning. He should have gone to City if he wanted to win. Yeah, I mean, the opportunity was there, but... I, I don't know. There's a lot of things that probably go into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think a lot of these younger guys don't know who they are. And I think the club's constantly revolving new ideas in and out with managers. And we they just finished the Ali saga. And he was a manager that they've never had where he was a player. And he understands what all of them have gone through and are going through. And he related with them a lot. Uh, and a lot of those players really liked him and admired him for that. So it's kind of tough for them to move on from him and how he always backed them. And now Ragnit's like, um, just going to deal with it. Like how it should be business wise. It's like, if you're not performing, you're, you're out for a while. So it's tough. I don't know. They really need to find that next guy to take over, give him a long-term or let him do his long-term plans five years at least and bring in his guys and get rid. But I don't see United turning into a selling team. I don't think they ever will just out of pride and reputation. They don't want to turn into a selling team. How Dortmund kind of is, you expect them always to sell their best players. All those second tier French teams, your, your Leicester's we saw with Angolo and Mares. Like those type of teams, I don't think they want to turn into that because uh, reputation and marketing-wise, they always present themselves as one of the biggest clubs in the world. So, I don't know. It's a very, very loaded question and a very big um, problem that you can't really break down in such a short segment of a show. So, I don't know. We'll see where they go from here. Um they they play Villa twice this week now, once in the FA Cup and then back in the league. So they're going to have a 
a detailed plan about who they're playing now against Gerard. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's it for the recap. We managed to push about 45 minutes out of that, which was impressive, I would say. We have three games here for you. I'm going to go eat dinner. Southampton taking on Brentford Tuesday, January 11th. A couple days till this game. Ah, two teams kind of middle of the pack right now. Southampton in decent form. Brentford also in eh, decent form. Um, I like a draw on this one. I think a nil-nil or a 1-1. Wouldn't surprise me if Southampton edge Brentford, but I'm going to take a draw for just safety's sake. Yeah, Zach's going with a draw as well. He doesn't really see too much between these two teams. Um, I don't know. I could definitely see Tooney score in this game because Southampton are without Salizu again. He is suspended with that double booking. Um, I think that's his second red card of the season. Um, Walker Peters is as well out for this game. So you're going to have Livermento and uh, yeah, and Valerie on the wing, wing back rolls. Um, up front, it's all the same for them. I think Barroja could have a nice game here. My gut instinct says a draw, um, but I think I'm going to go with Southampton with the possession style they play. Um, when it comes to set pieces, Brentford's a little weak there. Uh, and I think Ward-Prowse is probably one of the best set-piece takers in the league right there with KDB. So I'm going to go with the home team in the, in the Saints. Yeah, okay. All right, Everton versus Leicester City up next. Man, this is pretty much a deadlock draw here, in my opinion. Um, if I look at it, I mean, I'm looking at the win probability right now. Everton edge Leicester by 1%. 37 for Everton, 36 for Leicester, and 27% for a draw. Uh, gun to my head, I'm going to go with Leicester, I think, because I think Leicester are just performing better right now. Um, I know Matt and I said that Everton are probably due for a surge. This could be the game where it gets started. Um, but I just think for comfort and for, for safety, uh, I know what Leicester are capable of doing. I think they show up in this one, and I'm going to take them to win. This might change your pick because Leicester have at least half of their squad of 27 players out or game time decisions. Oh. Um, half of them are their defenders. No, Soyanchu, Pereira, Amarty, uh, Fafana, Justin, um, Evans, Bertrand are, are game time decisions. So we might see Ndidi back there, uh, push back, as well as the, all three of their forwards are out. Novardi, Ianacho's at AFCON, and Daka is out as well. So Lester is severely handicapped. Yeah. Everton, on the other hand, no Richarlison, Townsend, Iwobi. Um, everybody else looks good to go. So I'm thinking, I'm agreeing with you. I think it's low scoring and I think it's going to be a draw. Okay. I'm going to change my pick and take Everton. The surge starts here. I didn't realize everybody was out. I mean, that's, that's terrible. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm going to take Everton. Uh, and I think Zach went with Lester. So uh, he didn't know about this, but I think we're just going to stick with his pick there. I'm going to ask him after the show, if he changes his mind and I'll let you guys know on Twitter. All right, cool. Okay, um, and one last game. We have West Ham and Norwich City. This is an easy one for me. I'm fading Norwich into the dirt. Uh, they're just abysmal. I think West Ham win this one very, very easily. I could see a 4 nail here. Yeah, I learned my lesson um, last week with Norwich against Palace. I'm going to go with West Ham here. It has to be a win for me. Um, West Ham being my worst fucking team. Um, I can't. I can't 
get another loss with them. If they lose to Norwich, I'm going to be absolutely fuming. Um, yeah, I will be too. I mean, and it is your luck. Um, I have your West Ham, your poor West Ham picking stink all over this one. Um, but it's Norwich. It's literally uh, Norwich. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know they uh, West Ham should be poised to uh, absolutely batter Norwich, and this one should be an easy one, uh, and we shouldn't have to worry. All right, guys, that wraps everything up. Thank you for listening. Rounding out just about 50 minutes here. We'll be back next Wednesday, I believe, with a show. Until then, make sure you check out the other content on the channel. We do an NFL show as well. Um, and all of the Premier League and stuff before is on the feed as well. So I appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for tuning in as always uh, on social media, Twitter, uh, and Instagram at Post20Pod, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Like, review, rate, subscribe, whatever you want to do. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Stay safe.